I want to welcome everyone to service. Glad to see you this morning. Boy, I tell you what, it's one thing about being outside on a day like today and yesterday. You don't spend a lot of time there, amen? You move quickly, don't you, even if you can't. Praise God. Well, let's stand, and we thank God for you being here this morning. And certainly God is good to us even in the midst of uh, uh, difficult days, amen? We praise the Lord for it. And we just want to praise God for his goodness to us and how he's uh, working and looking forward to uh, the rest of 2024. And December will be here before I'm ready. Amen. So we thank God for it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear Father, we thank you. We love you. We want you to, Lord, just work in our lives and hearts today. I pray as the word of God is open that, Lord, uh, you would help us to be attentive Lord, may you, Lord, just give us, Lord, wisdom to know uh, how, it, how you're speaking and what your will is for our lives. And Lord, we pray today, and Lord, you'll just be with those of our church that are sick, cannot be here. Pray you would just, Lord, touch them and help them, and uh, Lord, encourage them, those who have lost loved ones. Lord, may you just meet every need there, and Lord, just uh, help them as they uh, mourn, and Lord, just work through um, this time of, of grieving. And Lord, we just come today. We're needy people. We need the Lord Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit of God to uh, fill us and direct us. And Lord, we'll just praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Brother Tony. Take your hymnal and go to page 547. 547. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth of everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Obscuring the brightness of light I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies The master looks on at the strife Living my faith in Jesus above Trusting, confide <coughs> From all her Our troubles will then all be o'er. The Master so gently will lead us away beyond that blessed heavenly shore. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm's 
Amen. You can be seated. We didn't sing that third verse, but I was looking at it. And uh, I know that he safely will carry me through. No matter what evils betide. Why should I then care, though the tempest may blow, if Jesus walks close to my side? Why? Because we're living by faith. Amen. What a great song. What a great song. Well, let's go to Lord in prayer for the offering. How about Brother Jim Spencer leading us in prayer this morning? Amen. Page 495, 495, just remain seated, we'll sing all three verses.
Father up above 
God bless you this morning. And that's not the truth. That's the greatest story that has ever been told. And the thing about this story is you can tell it a thousand times a day and it never gets old. Amen. What a blessing it is. Thank you, choir. Let's all stand. Brother Tony's going to lead us in the chorus and then we'll shake hands. Amen. Okay, if you'll take your hymnal, open it up there, 674. Uh, in my life, Lord, because we're going to sing the second verse, and I don't think it's on your bulletin. That's why I'm telling you open your hymnal. Uh, in my song, uh, we'll sing the second verse. Uh, in my song, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. through once more. In my song, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my song, Lord, be glorified today. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, take your boldness if you would, please. And uh, I got thinking about them verses there. And uh, that's a great little chorus. And, um, you know, the devil uses music and, uh, to get us off the right path sometimes. And um, it's a good question to ask ourselves. In my song, be glorified. Is he being glorified in my song? Uh, in the music I listen to, uh, those things that come into my ear gate. You know, we are what we think, right? Uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so 
I don't know, I just thinking about this morning. And the Bible says a new song, he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Amen. And um, the Bible has a lot to say about our song, right? Well, look at your bulletin, if you would, please. I didn't mean to preach at you a little bit there. Anyway, but um, we've got several sign-up sheets uh, down here, and um, three's our magic number. <laughs> we've been keeping three up here, right? And so um, we took away the... Uh, uh, the wedding um, reception and added, um, I think, uh, a shower, right? There's a shower down there for Rebecca. I'm not, the date's in the bulletin there, the 27th. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet for the appreciation dinner. That's very, very important to sign up for that and because um, we just need to know a number of people that we can plan on for food. And please, don't hesitate to sign up for that. I mean, if you do anything in the church uh, to help serve in this ministry, listen, please sign up. We want you to come. It's a great time of fellowship, and uh, it's, a, it's a good meal. And you'll enjoy it. I, I honestly promise you, you will. So please sign up for that. And then there's another one there for, um, what's the other one, Meredith? Yes, right, Cobbles Retreat. That's right, Cobbles Retreat. And so um, we've got the cabin set for that. So if you, if you uh, have thought about it and you say, man, I didn't sign up. I wish I would have. <laughs> let me know. So we've still got a little bit of time. And so um, we, can, we can make some changes there. So if you haven't signed up, sign up for that. And that would be helpful. Okay, look in your bulletin. Choir practice today at 430. Please remember that. And then um, we mentioned our work appreciation dinner. That's this Saturday at 6. But in the morning time, um, we, we sort of were planning on bus visitation uh, last Saturday and had just a torrential downpour and rain and cold and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so uh, not that some of that stuff should affect us, but sometimes it does. But, um, hey, next Saturday's going to be cold too. <laughs> this coming Saturday's going to be free and it's going to be frigid. And I'm like, good night. We got to get this. We got to get out there and get this done and do this. And. Um, I got a text this morning. I was looking at it while I go. That's where I got the phone right here. And Brother Brent and I, he's one of the missionaries I've adopted, Brent Marowelli, First Bible International. And he texted me this morning, and he said, uh, just, you know, praying for us, hope we have a good day. And he says he knows that uh, a lot of the churches are in this uh, weather pattern and all these kind of things. He's praying for uh, those across the country that's facing the bad weather. But he says, the weather provides unusual opportunities for the lost to see Jesus in and through us. The weather provides unusual opportunities for the lost to see Jesus in and through us. And um, I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? If we have to drive the bus and just get out one at a time, (laughs) um, maybe it'll show them that we love them because we're out in the cold. I just, that's what the Lord put on my heart this morning. I said, I said we're going to have bus visitation on Saturday. I don't care how cold it is. And uh, we're not going to let you freeze to death. We're not going to put you out there for hours or even minutes where you're going to freeze. But we're going to do it. All right. So the 14th, excuse me, the, um, the 20th at 10 o'clock, we're going to meet here at church. And uh, we're going to try to get this thing rolling. So if you'll pray about that, uh, show up um, and be a help. That'll be, that'll be helpful. And what, like I said, we won't keep you out long. Then we'll have our meeting at 6 o'clock that night. And we'll give you a good supper. That'd be great. Rally in the Valley on the 26th with the brother Steve Pickett. Looking forward to that. And uh, he's always a joy to have around. Um, got, got a great spirit. And so he'll be with us in our rally. And then he'll stay over for Sunday uh, for our uh, anniversary Sunday. And so we'll have a combined Sunday school up here if the teens on up. We'll have a meal. And we'll let you know about the food, what to bring as we get a little closer. Uh, but the shower's tucked in between there. So you see that information there. You've seen all the information coming up in the month of um, February. So please pay attention to that. And then happy birthday this week to Miss Angie on the 16th. Congratulations to her, all right? Won't you stand with us one more time? And Brother Tony's going to come lead us another song. Page 516. 
516. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all humbly alter is laid. Is your come and sing and then I'm going to preach. Amen. And I do appreciate Berlaine. I was supposed to preach on Wednesday night. And uh, Wednesday was a one of those days that you thought, Lord, if you'll just get me through this, I'll be glad to do anything. And uh, of course, show you how the devil works. Uh, I coughed and coughed and coughed all day Wednesday. And, and about seven o'clock, a miracle of all miracles. I ain't coughed one time while Lane was preaching. Yeah. But uh, I did get to listen to the sermon. That was, that was the best thing about it all. Hey, but it's not like being here, is it? I'm sorry. Oh, my sorry. It's not like being here. Uh, you go to First uh, Kings this morning, First Kings 11. Uh, that's where we'll be at this morning. Mayor, please. 
the questions again. My lawyer will rise up and approach the bench and say good morning, Father. He'd reassure me right then that he's forever set up in heaven. morning to listen, do a little soul searching, and then allow the Holy Spirit God to help you make a decision. You see, when you come to the Word of God and you come to the message, uh, you always make a decision. Trouble is, too often we make the wrong decision. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, I'm I'm just I'm blessed just to be able to preach the word of God. You know what? If I had the opportunity to run for the president of the United States, which I'm not, <laughs> I got more sense than that. But uh, I'd have to step down to do it because the calling of God was without fear, without change of mind. Uh, when God called me, he didn't tell me 10 years later, hey, it's time to quit. Amen. First Kings chapter 11 this morning, look if you will in verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women. And he's not talking about weird women, talking about, uh, well, probably, I'm sure some of them were weird. <laughs> but uh, foreign women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites, Zidonians, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth and the goddess of the Zidonians and after Milcom the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. 
Then did Solomon build a, a high places for uh, Shemosh, the abomination of, of the Moabites, uh, in the uh, hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise, he did for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrifices under their gods. And the Lord was very angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had communed uh, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I commanded thee, I will surely rent the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant, notwithstanding in the days, uh, notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rent it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit, I will not rent away all the kingdoms, but will give uh, one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen." And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite, and he was of the king's seed in Edom. And we'll stop reading there this morning for just sake of time this morning. But I want you to look, if you will, in verse 1. Notice it says that Solomon loved many strange women. Now we understand that the majority of these women were political in nature, the, the marriages forming alliances with, with uh, the king of, uh, of Israel. But then look, if you will, down in verse 3 what it says. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. You know what, to be so smart, he was dumb, wasn't he? <laughs> hmm? That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not, I'm not going to pick on the women. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of these women uh, had very little say about who their husband was going to be, all right? One of them prearranged things, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, but yet uh, you say, well, who do you think Solomon loved the most? Well, you go to Song of Solomon, you'll find that out, all right? But look in verse number uh, four, if you will. It says, for it came to pass when Solomon was old. About the time you think Solomon should have all this figured out, when you think that he's got, he's, he should have it together, God says when he was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Look in verse 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and when not fully after the Lord, as, de, as did David, his father. I want, I want us to look this morning at the subject, a troubled old man, a troubled old man. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We ask that you speak to our hearts from your word today. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to, Lord, be honest with you, with ourselves, and with even, Lord, the fact of others around us. Lord, we commit this time to you today. We ask that the Holy Spirit of God will give us wisdom of Scripture. 
Help us to say those things which need to be said and leave undone anything that would be harmful to anyone. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. By this time that you come to uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, Solomon had been reigning in the nation of Israel for oh, 30 years, right around that, that time period. So he's not a rookie, he's not, he's not young, he's not inexperienced. Uh, he, is, he is everything that he desires to be. Everything about Solomon's reign was on a scale of unparalleled greatness. When you look at Solomon, you, you, you say, boy, I'd like to have a son like Solomon. I'd like to have a son that was as smart as Solomon. I'd like to have a son that was, you know, uh, uh, financial savvy as Solomon was. He was great in his descent. He was the offspring of the renowned king of Israel, David. He came and was sovereign and raised up as the king of the Hebrews, among, uh, which was inaugurated first by King Saul. <clears throat> but yet he, the, the kingdom was enlarged and consolidated under his father David's rule, and yet to the highest pitch of imperial greatness and external magnificence, we see that King Solomon takes the nation of Israel to the place where few kingdoms in this world will ever be. We see also he was not only great in his ascent, but he was great in his intellectual endowment because it says in 1 Kings 4, 31, and he was wiser than all men and his name was in all nations round about. Solomon was wise. Solomon was a man that, my dear friends, and, and if you want to see the wisdom of Solomon, just go to the book of, of 1 Kings about chapter 4 and you'll see where when those two women came and <clears throat> told Solomon, man, Solomon, uh, you know, this woman took my child. Her son was dead and she took my child and she gave me the dead baby and Solomon brought a sword and said, uh, get, bring me the sword. And, well, what are you going to do with the sword, Solomon? I'm going to divide the baby, give one half and one the other half. And Solomon knew one thing, that the real mother of that child would rather the child be alive than dead. And, and so when the woman said, no, 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 don't hurt the baby. Give it to her. Solomon said, no, give it to you. You're the real mother. And Solomon's fame spread from, my dear friends, from all around the world. <coughs> Queen Sheba came and, and of course, you know, uh, brought uh, multiplied tons of riches and so forth. And when she sat at King Solomon's table, her mouth just fell open. She couldn't believe what she saw. She said, Solomon, I, I, I've, I've heard all about this, but half was not told me. Even your servants are happy. Solomon, everything that he touched seemed as, uh, to turn to gold. He was great in his intellect. Uh, over, you read the book of Proverbs and <clears throat> you realize how wise Solomon was. You read the book of, uh, that he has written some 1,000 uh, uh, Proverbs and, and then all that he did and the wisdom that he had. He was a very wise man. But yet he was great in his divine benediction. 
For it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 25, For the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not yet been on any king before him. And why did all that come? Well, you could go back to chapter 3, 1 Kings, and when Solomon took the throne, Solomon, I believe, as a young king, just probably at the age of about 20 or so, was just kind of overwhelmed by everything. And, and, and God appeared to him and said, Solomon, uh, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'm just a child. I don't know how to lead this people. But if you'll give me the wisdom to lead this people and honor you, uh, hey, I'll be happy. And God said, Solomon, because you didn't ask for, for wealth and riches and didn't ask for the, the heads of your enemies, he said, here's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> I'm going to give you everything that you asked for plus all that you didn't ask for. You see, his greatness could be seen in, in every area of his work. I mean, the temple that he built for the Lord <coughs> was just a magnificent thing. took seven years to build it. There, there wasn't a, Brother Ricky, there wasn't a saw on the place. Man, that's something, ain't it, Brother Tony? I mean, you, you figure hey, everything was cut and everything was brought and it was put in place and it was built right there. Everything was overlaid with gold. And I mean, you know, the, the, all the bronze uh, fixtures and everything that he made. I mean, it was just a magnificent thing. Then he built his house, his palaces. He built one for Pharaoh's daughter. And, you know... See, what I want you to see is that there was an unparalleled greatness about Solomon. No man, not even his daddy, not even the son that followed him, not even Nebuchadnezzar years later that would, would even be close to shining the shoes of Solomon. There's one last thing that his greatness was great in. And that's where we come today. His greatness was no less conspicuous in his sad and despicable and terrible fall. But yet, you know, I'm not going to be hard on Solomon this morning because... The sad part of it is, is that, and I, I was trying to check, and I, I, do not, I do not believe that Solomon is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Now, I may be wrong. I, I just quickly read it and glanced at it, and I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want you to take me to the bank on that. But yet, the splendor of Solomon's reign was like a glare of sunshine resting on fertile plains teeming with life and effervescence of beauty. And yet, while the light remained, the scene was gay and brilliant and captivating. And, but yet, an unseen and unexpected perfume of poison began to fill the atmosphere. And my dear friends, 
little by little, a little here and a little there, all of a sudden, Solomon's greatness disappeared. Now, why? There's a warning here for us. There's a lesson here to be learned. You see, the tragedy of Solomon is that Solomon did not even follow his own advice. Go back, if you will, go over to the book of Proverbs chapter 1 for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 1. Notice what it says here uh, in verse number 1. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, you understand Solomon wrote Proverbs when he was a young man. He said, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtility to the simple and the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise words to understand a proverbs and the interpretation of the words of the wise and the dark saying. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. He says in verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now go over to chapter 5 for just a moment. Solomon writing here says, my son, attend unto my wisdom. Some seem to think that he was writing this to Rehoboam. He said, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding. <clears throat> that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil and her end is bitter as wormwood and sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and her steps take hold, of he- uh, take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, Let her ways are movable, and thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from me, and from not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labor be in the house of strangers. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Oh, you see, Solomon didn't even find his own, didn't follow his own advice. I mean, he wrote this as a young man when he was full of, 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 of the knowledge of God and the desire and the heart to serve God and to, to live for God and to make his life count for God. The the emphasis of Solomon's life as a young man was God is first no matter what. Oh, but that friend or that foe time began to come into play. You see, Solomon didn't follow his own advice, but he, he failed to follow his example that he had of his father, David. My dear friends, did a lot of things, but he did not have the heart for God that David had. And Solomon's love for God began to slowly be crowded out by others. Others. 
Go back, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 17. I'm just trying to lay a little groundwork here for you this morning. I, 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 I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm not trying to be, but i tell you what, my dear friends, we need to wake up. Because you see, if, this, if, if, if what has happened to Solomon, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Look, if you will, in, in Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, <clears throat> it says, But when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are round about me. Now you understand that the, the children of Israel had Moses, the, the humblest man that ever lived, and the meekest man that ever lived. He had led them to the door of the promised land. And in the midst of getting them ready for the promised land, it comes to the place that Moses reminds them, that, hey, there's going to come a day that you are going to be in the promised land. You're going to take the promised land. And when you get in there, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, give us a king. We'll have anybody rule over us but God. And thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shall thou set a, a king over thee, and thou, uh, that thou mayest set not a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses." For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye, sh ye shall henceforth return no more that way, neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Now notice this, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply himself silver and gold. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book out of that which is before the priests and Levites, and it shall be with him. And he shall read therein all the days of his life, and he, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to keep all the words of the law and of the statutes, that his heart not be lifted up above his brethren. Take those verses and place at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 11. And you and I understand this morning exactly why Solomon ended up where Solomon ended up. What were, as a matter of fact, you see, Solomon just let other things, other people crowd out God. As as. Jesus said, and John the Revelator said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You see, that, there's the trouble. When Solomon had reigned for 30 years, Solomon felt like a lot of times, well, you know, I've paid my dues, and I'm just going to live like I want. And I'm just going to try to be a nice guy. I'm going to try to please others. 
Now, I think you are to live for others, but I don't think you are to try to please others. You are to do one thing. You are to fear God. And at the end of Solomon's life in the book of Ecclesiastes, what did he say? Here's a conclusion to the whole matter. Fear God. What really brought on Solomon's downfall? What was the causes which contributed to Solomon's? Let me give you a few of them. First of all, I believe that there was the intoxication of intellectual pride. Boy, that's a mouthful. I just had to say that. I I loved that when I read it. And I said, man, I got to use that. You know, uh, the... The downfall of Solomon was that he was intoxicated with his own brain. Well, let me show you what I mean. You go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and it says, And I said in my heart, Go to now, and I will prove thee with myrrh, and therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. And I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what, uh, what doeth it? And I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, and yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, that I might see what was the good for the sons of men, which they should do uh, under the heavens of uh, all the days of their life. And I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And, and I planted trees in, the, uh, in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water and, and to water the, the, with the wood and that bringeth forth trees. And I got me servants and maidens and, and servants born in my house. And also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above that uh, that were in Jerusalem before me. And I gathered also gold and silver and the peculiar treasures of kings and other providences. And I gave me men singers and women singers and the delight of the sons of men as musical instruments of all sorts. And and so I was great and increased more than all before me in Jerusalem and all my wisdom remained with me. Oh, you see, Solomon got to the place that he thought, I have arrived. And he did one thing. He left the one that brought him to the dance. I'm not against education. I'm for it. You ought to get all you can use. But we live in a nation today and in a world today that, that, my dear friends, is educated beyond their means. Because any time education or, or people or philosophies or, or, uh, take you away from God and take you away from the, the truth of the Scriptures, I want you to know something, my dear friend. All you have is that you worship the creature more than the Creator. Another downfall of Solomon was the system of polygamy. I want you to go back, if you will, to our text, and I want you to look at something here, if you will, in First Kings chapter uh, 11. If you will, look, it says, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Now, I want you to go back to First Kings chapter 3 for a moment. I know we're, we're turning a lot, and some of you are not used to ruffling through the Bible. 
But notice in verse 1 what it says. And says so Solomon made affinity with uh, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, which he had made an end uh, and uh, until he had made an end of building her own house in the house of the Lord and the walls of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was not a house built unto the name of the Lord. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt sacrifices in high places. Now notice verse 3, it says that Solomon loved the Lord, walked in all the statues, in other ways, the ways of his dad, the way he'd been taught by his dad. Only. Only. Can I, can I say this to you right there, that little word, Only is a dirty word. It's a bad word. Because it says Solomon, 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 Solomon. Solomon loved the Lord. He walked with the Lord. But his heart really wasn't where it should have been. You see, only did he do what? He only, he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. Those places that wasn't commanded by God or recommended by God or given as, as the place to offer and burn sacrifices and incense. In other words, all of a sudden, even as a young king, Solomon, my dear friends, was doing one thing. He was... Just simply, simply allowing the Lord a second place in his life. And where does that show up in Solomon's life? When you come to chapter 11 of 1 Kings, we find that it shows up in his family relationships. You see, Solomon allowed polygamy to be the norm of the day. Well, my daddy did it. So that, that'll make it all right, won't it? Daddy did it. Daddy, that's a warning for me and you. Right. What you do in moderation, your children, children will do in excess. Yeah. Oh, but Brother Raider, you know, it doesn't really hurt anybody, but it don't hurt me, it don't hurt anybody. I know it's not exactly what God wants. I mean, you know what? You know what we're raising in independent Baptist churches today? A, a generation of drunkards. Excuse me. Why? Because daddy don't see anything wrong with taking a drink, so why should little junior not think? We're, right, we're raising a generation of, of, of womanizers. Why? Because daddy, daddy doesn't do what's right. He's got a roving eye, and you think your children don't notice that, fellas? You're, you got a screw loose. You see, here's Solomon, this, this system of polygamy. He encouraged it to an unprecedented extent, and he, it left a debasing curse on Solomon and his family for generations. Now, there's another reason. And the reason is that he had an estrangement of heart from Jehovah. If you go back to our text in verse 4, it says that he what? 
that when he was old, his wives turned his heart away to other gods. You see, he just really didn't have time to give God God's proper place. Now, you say, well, what is God's proper place, Brother Andrew? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul. Now let me show you another thing that brought him down. Not only his estrangement of heart from Jehovah, but the public sanction and practice of idolatry. Look in verse 7. It says in verse 7, then did Solomon build high places for all these abominations that God said, you are never let them in. You are not give them, you don't give them opportunity. Don't, don't, don't open the door for them to come in because if they do, they're going to turn your heart away. And you see, he, get, he, he began to say, well, you know, Brother Ryder, you know, it's all right if you, if you just don't, you don't have to follow all that old, old time religion. You can just loosen up a little bit. You can bring the rock and roll in. You can, you can let up a little bit and, and, and just have some good old worldly music. I mean, you know. You, you just don't have to, you don't have to be so strict on things. Let me ask you a question. Where did I get Solomon? Where did I get Solomon? You say, Brother Ray, are you, tr- are you trying to be mean? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to be truthful this morning. Amen. I'm trying to be truthful to, to, to save me and to save you some trouble. Amen. So you see here we see the fact that he, he publicly sanctioned it. Oh, you say, well, Brother Raider, do you think that Solomon ever offered any of his children as, as human sacrifices? No, but he condoned it. Right. He said, well, if that's the way you want to worship, go for it. Now, just go for it. Hey, I, I'm not going to do it. But you, you just do it. You can do it. But then there's another thing that brought Solomon to this place. <clears throat> and that was the deposit. And I like that word. I had to look it up what it meant. It means absolute power and authority of his government. You see... Commerce, to promote the prosperity of a nation, must be for the good of the people, not for the regal commanders in charge. You see, the commerce of Israel in Solomon's day was in all respects a monopoly of the crown. And I want to tell you something. Solomon had plenty of money coming in. You know, Bill Gates. Bill Gates could walk in a room where Solomon's in, and you know what Bill Gates would have to do? He'd have to take a back seat. George Soros is propagating all this heathenism and all this anti-God and anti-rebellion against the, what's right against Israel and against the United States and trying to destroy us and corrupting our young people and, and colleges around the world. 
You see, in all respects, his monopoly was for Solomon. And the excessive demands upon the people for sustaining the ever-growing magnificence of the empire became unbearable. And a spirit of discontent spread throughout the nation, which ultimately broke out into a successful rebellion. What I want you to see is Solomon cut his own throat. And you and I, if we're not careful, we turn from the word of God. We, oh, you say, well, Brother Ritter, how do you think Solomon ended up where he's at? I'll tell you what he did. It's no place in recorded history of the Jewish people that Solomon ever followed the command of Deuteronomy 17 by writing his own Bible for his own self. You and I today need to realize the simple fact that, you know what, when you get old and you get a little age on you and you think, boy, I have arrived, I want you to know something, you better watch out. The devil is still trying to defeat you and destroy you. Well, what's the lessons we can learn from Solomon's life? I'll give these to you very quickly. My time is gone. Lessons we learn is that worldly greatness has its peculiar uh, perils. Solomon started out well. He loved God. He strove to walk in all the ways of David, his father. But as he advanced in wealth and his mind expanded into vast fields of intellectual research, the simplicity of his trust in God was destroyed and his spiritual fever was chilled. Church wasn't important to Solomon when he had been on the throne 30 years. Reading his Bible wasn't important. He could take praying and talking to Jehovah God. And, uh, you know, he could take it or leave it. It wasn't really that important to him. His priorities had shifted. He was more concerned about the bank account than he was about his spiritual bankruptcy. You see, he was, he, he just got a little, I guess a good way to say it is, as it says there, that he loved many strange women in verse 1. One commentator said that was just a defiant love. I know what you say, God, but I like her, I'm going to have her. Mm. I know, Lord, this is what you say, that we ought to do this and we ought to be faithful to church, but, Lord, I want you to know something, that, you know what, I think I've got a better way. Worldly greatness, wealth, prestige, power. I'll never forget what J.R. Faulkner said one morning in in church leadership to a bunch of young preachers. He said, young men, I want you to know something. He said, it never gets easier in God's work 
to, to, to stay away from the temptations of the flesh. He said the devil will make sure you see enough women that are improperly dressed and, and with a flirtatious spirit and, and all that. And, they, and, and the devil will do all he can to, to, to distract you from God's way and God's work uh, by using that. And I know a lot of men that have fallen into that trap. He said, but I want you to know something. That temptation doesn't bother me like it once did. And he said, but there are other temptations. He said, power. I am the assistant pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church. At that time, was the second largest church in the United States compared to Dr. Howes in Hyman, Indiana, First Baptist. He said, I am, the, I'm, I am I'm one of the leaders of the, of the Tennessee Temple University. And he said, it may not be don't mean much to you, but he said, there's a lot of people that, that, that want to impress me and want me to be on their side and want me to do this. And he said, if you don't watch it, that kind of power can ruin you. You see, you and I need to realize that There's pressure. And so when you think about this worldly greatness, it can take a toll on you. You younger women think about that. You older women think about it. You younger men think about where you are and, and, and where you want to be in 40 years and you'll never get there unless you stay with the word of God. That was Solomon's trouble. He left the book and he left God and he began to do that which was right in his own eyes. And my dear friends, I want you to know something that you know what? The greatest pressure you and I will ever face is not from without but from within. The pressure from your own family. You don't think these wives had an impact on Solomon? They had an impact upon him spiritually. They had an impact upon him, my dear friends, uh, in the political realm. They had an impact on him when it came to worship. You see, he started out, first he resisted and he maintained that pure faith that he had and then he, he tolerated a, a widespread practice of, uh, of idolatry and finally he became involved in a idolatrous worship, rationalizing the, way, the potential danger to himself and to his kingdom and he had the idea, I can handle it, I'm Solomon. You see, it became more important for him to please those that God had commanded and asked him not to marry than it did to do what? My Bible says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. 
You see, worldly prosperity is powerless to satisfy the deepest need of the soul. And what is the deepest need of the soul? To be in right relationship with God and be in right fellowship with God and to have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. How can I have that kind of peace? Isaiah says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. What happened to Solomon? Right here. Between these two ears, the wisest man that ever lived lost the battle. Why? Because instead of thinking upon the greatness of God, he began to believe that he was the great one. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I want you to know there's one standing among you who is greater even than Solomon. And you know what they said? Who is that? Prosperity doesn't satisfy. Only walking with Jesus satisfies. But I want you to notice one last thing in closing. I know I've taken a little extra time this morning. If you will, look down to verse 12. Notice what it says here. God has told Solomon, Solomon, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. But Solomon For your daddy's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, I'm not going to totally destroy your kingdom. I'm going to allow your son to have one part. That's the tribe of Judah and Jerusalem. But look in verse 12. God has just given this news to Solomon Notwithstanding in thy days, will I not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rent it out of the hand of thy son. I want you to see one thing about God. I believe right here, God says, Solomon, I'm offering you mercy. Solomon, It's not too late to come back to me. We can make it right, Solomon. You have to do one thing. Confess it for what it is, sin. Come back to me, Solomon. I'll show you mercy. I'll show you that, hey, I am merciful and I am fair and I am right and I am just. And Solomon, if you'll just do one thing, if you'll just come to me. I'll come to you. I'll give you mercy. Father, bless our time together this morning. And certainly, Lord, I realize it's a very difficult message to preach. was for me. I know it's not been encouraging, but I know that's what you've laid on my heart because I believe it's needed. It's needed in the fact that 
too often we let people, positions, and things crowd us away from God. We allow things to hinder our walk with Thee. And Lord, may it never be said of us and of me that we allowed something to take the place of the Lord Jesus, the one that's done so much for us. Father, today I pray for that one that's without Christ here, not saved. May this be the day that they realize that he is the only one that can give peace. He's the only one that can show mercy and give grace. But we have to come. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will apply to every heart what needs to be applied. And Lord, we'll love you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed. I'm going to ask the pianist, if you will, to play a stanza of invitation. If you're not saved today, dear friend, today's the day. Come. But as a child of God, if Ed put your name in there in the first verse of 1 Kings 11 what would be said this is my beloved son this is my beloved servant this is my beloved friend or would they have to say that something turned his heart from the Lord Is all well in your house today, Dad? Is all well, Mom, in your heart today? Young people, are you where you should be with the Lord Jesus? Only way we're going to have revival is for each one of us to be able to fall upon the mercy of God. Only way we're going to really do what we need to do is be honest with ourselves, honest with God. Our Father, we pray today that the Lord, Holy Spirit, will put his finger on what each one needs to change, what each one of us 
need to work on to make us more like the Lord Jesus. Lord, you know each heart here today. I pray that, Lord, when it's said and done, it won't be said that when they were old, something turned the heart from the Lord. They loved something more than they loved Jesus. We just commit ourselves to you today. We ask that you have your will and way in our lives and hearts. And we'll love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Amen.